I'm Brianna McHenry. And I'm Stephanie Delaporta. And we are your guides for the When in Bloom podcast. Join us weekly as we include tips, tricks, and alignment tools that support us on our personal journeys. Bringing you back to the knowing that you have all that you need within you to bloom. Welcome back, beautiful humans, to the When in Bloom podcast. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your energy with us. Joining us today is international master level spiritual healer, teacher, and starseed channeler, Tiffany Tin, as we talk all about starseeds, star ancestry, and soul lineages. Myself and my husband have both had Akashic readings with Tiffany, and I know I have also spoken briefly about it in our past lives episode because it was completely soul opening and life-changing for me. I feel so honored to have Tiffany here sharing her wisdom and her energy with all of us today. Yes. Thank you, Tiffany. Welcome. I'm so excited. Just your energy like vibrates and permeates. Like I, it just feels like an automatic, like upgrade, like a quick little ascension. And I'm so excited because I watch, um, and Tiffany's really, I don't know if you said this, but she has a really great YouTube channel. And I watch that a lot. I actually have my daughter. She's been watching it since she was like six months old. So I'm really excited to share that with everyone thank you so much yes (laughs) oh thank you so much ladies thank you to stephanie brianna and your beautiful listeners in this beautiful podcast thanks for inviting us here and i say us because i'm bringing all my spiritual friends (laughs) the Algerian, the pleiadian into this with me so we are so excited to be here Um, We are so excited to have you. And thank you, Brianna, for mentioning YouTube. That was on my mind to say to you. So thanks for doing that. (laughs) (laughs) That's also how I found Tiffany. And I watch Tiffany all the time because I have the notifications on my phone set. Whenever you release a new video, I know about it. (laughs) And then I go tell my husband. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that means a lot. It's a great encouragement. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, you're incredible. I actually want you to tell us a little bit about yourself for those who are unfamiliar with you and your work. Yeah, sure. So I'm just a human like all of you. But like all of you, we're also a spiritual being in a physical vessel. And um, a lot of us have to go through, you know, the pain, the trauma, the tears and the the pain to go through this darkness of the soul and wake up to who we really are, what we really want to do in this life. And that was me. Uh, my awakening was very similar to how Eckhart totally described his. It was just like very cathartic, you know, you're just crying on the floor, <laughs> all the trauma and you're like, um, just wondering, is there someone out there that can help me stop this pain? And I remember when I asked that question out loud, all of a sudden this bright light flashed in my third eye and I stopped crying. It felt so peaceful. And I'm like, wow, that's weird. You don't just all of a sudden stop crying (laughs) from an intense session. Um, But yeah, then after that, I'm like, hold up, like someone answered my question. So there must be something out there. Little did I know afterwards learning about Abraham Hicks, like ask and you shall receive that, you know, we have guides, we have a higher self, our soul, and all of these were 
forgotten or dormant or not taught or embraced in our educational system. So like many of you have to learn on my own, just watch a lot of YouTube videos, and, um, a lot of books and just learning and learning. And um, eventually I started to learn Reiki that really helped me with that depression and anxiety. I became a Reiki master. Then I started channeling past lives and then now talking to ETs. So 10 years ago, if you tell me, oh, there's ETs that you can talk to, probably I would have honored you, but think that it's not possible. And here I am doing this stuff. So you never know where you're gonna go when you are in bloom, like the lady says. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And it's such a good example of how supported we are. Because you really were just like, you just gave it up. And you were like, just show me, just help. And it came right it's like the call of desperation when you're like at the bottom of the pit and you were showing <laughs> heavenly light so yeah, it's like you sent out a signal really like a distress signal and it was answered that's just so amazing yeah yeah and actually from i know today's episode is on star seed actually a lot of these souls they didn't come alone and when you're in a moment of distress um, your guides actually tune into you and try to help you. So yeah, it's a very magical place to be on earth. <laughs> it really is. And I think we forget that a lot of the times. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And I guess going from there, I actually have a question about that. So I know me and Brianna were talking about this a little bit earlier, but we both are curious, is everybody a starseed or are there some souls that actually first I guess you could say their origination point besides source was from earth from Gaia yeah that's a very good question I think we're all made out of stardust and I think a dust and I think a lot of us are to me starseed is like an activation term that helps you remember you know, your authentic self. But from my understanding, most souls here are outside of Earth. There are some um, souls that were here before us. Um, so of course, there are the other people <laughs> that we live with that, that might not even look like humans. But I think all of our souls come from outside of earth because earth is actually quite new compared to a lot of the other planets and other galaxies out there so that's great that's actually the same belief that i hold where our souls that i really believe that we are all star seeds but then i really started thinking wait but i used to have a really strong connection to earth and i felt like only like earth-based so I, I was curious too if other people felt the same way that was definitely something I've had on my mind too because I've always resonated with not being from earth <laughs> that um I mean not to say that I don't love earth and I don't have a strong connection with Gaia but it's just it never truly felt like home so I mean for me now I'm really trying to work on embodying this incarnation and really making my body my home here on earth at this time and really really stepping into the why the why of 
why I'm here (laughs) and just really seeing all the magic. Like you said earlier, that's really been my focus. So thank you so much for clarifying that. I appreciate that so much too, because a lot of star seed, we just are not grounded. So I love how you guys bring out like embody and your, or embrace your human self and, you know, just enjoy it. It's like, I tell my viewers, I'm like, you know, maybe in this life you get to have long, beautiful hair, but in your ET self, you were bald. (laughs) So enjoy the human body. (laughs) That's such a good point. I get that message a lot from um, when I do, when mediumship comes up or people that have passed away, um, so many of them say to really like embrace your, your physical like body and the human experiences that we have here. And like uh, nature, they're always like, just really lean into it because we miss it. Yes, absolutely. That's such a good point. And I guess on that note, we can start moving into the different types of star seeds um, or soul lineages, star ancestry. I guess these are all just terms to kind of explain, (laughs) you know, from a human perspective, this other world. And since we've covered earth, I think one of the most common ones um, we'll start with is the Pleiades. But before we start for all our listeners out there, I just want to offer up to just kind of take a deep breath and just listen to the information that comes up and see what resonates with you. And, you know, resonance looks so different for each of us because we're all different and we all hold a unique frequency. So for some of you, you might feel this resonance as a tingle or a sensation throughout your body. Another person might have an image flash before you know, in their mind or in their third eye, another person might hear this whisper in their soul. So just be open to however you receive this within yourself and yeah, I guess just take it away, Tiffany. <laughs> yes. So um, there's a lot of star system that your soul can be connected to. Uh, we call it uh, lineages because it's hard to trace an origin. If you really look into your soul as a holographic, multidimensional being, right? This consciousness of yours. So I like to also like you all use the word lineage or connection uh, to not limit ourselves because I've seen some people get very attached to the label like we said oh I'm a Palladium this is how I act and they use it like a badge of honor so I think it's great that we're bringing up that it's just a connection like a past life you know that you've had and it gives you more insights about who you are and your mission uh from I've done I've done this full time for a few years and I've done so many hundreds of readings for different star seed and what I'm sharing is just uh from my channeling experience um working with other star seeds, other channelers. So everyone's going to have maybe some pieces that resonate and some that don't. Doesn't mean that we're wrong. It just means that, you know, if you are a future human 2,000 years from now and you ask us what was Earth like, we'll all have a different version. So just keeping that in mind. Uh, The Pleiades, there are a lot of Pleiadians on earth because our connection with the Pleiades started really in the olden cycles of earth, such as Lemuria and Atlantis. A lot of star seeds carry DNA light codes, especially some of the indigenous tribes 
from the Pleiades. Um, so they here they have these DNA codons within their body that helps them connect with this energy a lot easier. Uh, like like this polarity universe, there are good quote quote Pleiadians and then bad or service to self Pleiadians. So. A lot of people get confused, like, oh, my Pleiadian gods is really good. And then the next person is like, Pleiadians are really bad. <laughs> it's just a matter of perspective where they are in their journey. Uh, the Pleiadians that are in, let's say, the bad factions, what I've learned about them is actually they think, the way they think is that they think we're not worthy to inherit the planet. And so to us, the actions that they do seems very service to self from that perspective. But when you work with very benevolent, very service to self Pleiadians, they're absolutely amazing guides to work with. Uh, a lot of Pleiadian starseeds come in a physical body, but they have a family that supports them during the journey. So I've helped some people reconnect to their family members like a brother or sister or parents on the Pleiades. You really have to be very grounded to do this work or not. You can just always tune into that reality and forget about earth. So just wanted to bring that up. Uh, with the Pleiades also, with the galactics, they have different terms for how we call, like for example, earth, they call earth terra or terra firma. The moon is Terra Luna. And for the Pleiades, they call it Manahai. Um, so there's different terms that they use. And so there's really a lot of information out there. The good Pleiadians that I work with are generally fifth dimension or higher. Um, in general, the fifth dimensional ones are the ones that work with a collective. They might be called Galactic Federation of Worlds, or they might be another type of factions. There's many type of groups and councils out there. Their usually agenda is to assist Earth in liberating from the Draconian and Siakar Empire, these kind of anti-life force <laughs> agendas. So that's what they're here to do. And they do do a lot in the background. They have helped us disable a lot of nuclear weapons, a lot of wars. Even with what is going on now, uh, there has been a lot of background intervention. Uh, so they're definitely here to help us. Then you have like these Pleiadians of light that are ninth dimensional higher. When people see these beings, they generally like etheric. They're like jellyfish, <laughs> really like transparent. Their skin is luminous and their eyes are more like pearls or opals. And these are like nine dimensions, they're very, very high vibrational. They really don't have that same emotional uh, response or, or even sometimes uh, perspective that a fifth dimensional Pleiadian has. Because fifth dimension, you're still emotional, you still have a certain agenda. But once you get into the 9D, they really are just pure love and light being. And I think a lot of us think that they are angels or angelic beings for that very reason. So yeah, so if you're a Pleiadian starseed, there's so many of them, but I do notice that generally Pleiadian starseeds, they are very loving. Uh, they're very fun. <laughs> they sometimes, uh, they can, lo they love 
to connect with people. Uh, they like that ray of sunshine that is in the group of friends that you see. So that's the Palladiums and they're very creative, of course, very empathic. And so, yeah, beautiful, beautiful beings. That's so beautiful. I know myself, I resonate um, as definitely having an incarnation in the Pleiades and I think Brianna as well. So thank you so much for sharing that. I guess the next one we have is Arcturus. Me and Brianna both have histories there. So we're very excited to talk about Arcturus. <laughs> Yay, I'm excited too. It's my favorite. because uh... oh, I talked to them a lot. I worked with them a lot last summer and I haven't really like learned anything about them from other people because I was just trying so I'm excited to see if some of what I got lines up with what you share yeah yeah so the Octarians definitely what I would resonate the most as as a soul um because my soul family are the Octarians so one is Allie she usually helps me with a lot of things <laughs> channeling uh teachings and even healing they actually helped me heal a lot of my uh, vaccine injury from Gardasil. So I shared that on YouTube recently. Um, so they have been really been very supportive from the Octarians, the benevolent ones that we generally work with is from seven or ninth uh, higher density. So again, they very like masterful in their journey already. Um, they also are the guardians of certain, certain stargates. In the etheric realm when the soul, for example, is coming from another galaxy, they usually use the stargate of Turis as a stop point. And the Octarian elders or the um, higher dimensional Octarians help these souls adjust to the vibrational frequency of this galaxy. So I've seen like souls from Andromeda galaxy, not the constellation. When they incarnate here, they will stop by the Octarius star gate. And then from there, they, they go off maybe to Lyra or Pleiades or wherever they want to go. But uh, the Octarians are very advanced in such um, disciplines, like helping the etheric or soul aspect of a being. Uh, they also worked a lot with grids. Every time I work with them, they're always in grids. They either surround the person in a formation and then they uplift the person's vibration like a spaceship. They're like, Gee! <laughs> you go up an elevator in vibration. Uh, they do a lot of healing with bioplasmic energy. They do not eat. Uh, they mostly absorb these bioessence or light essence through their body, which is great. I'm like, ah, ever since I was a younger, I don't like to eat. My mom is chasing me <laughs> out of the kitchen. And I'm like, why do I have to eat? Like, <laughs> so sometimes it gives you some insights about your little starseed weirdness that you have. So you learn to embrace it. Um, the Octarians also, they do do a lot of grid work. Um, the Octarians embodied in Octarian body, they usually help Earth more in a background manner. So they will go to a certain energy point or portal and they will work to raise the frequency of that portal or vortex. So um, Octarians, are, from my understanding or what I've seen so far, we usually have these traits where we're more shy or more introverted. It's like 
you know, even just looking on Earth, every country, when you live there for a while, you pick up some of their stuff. So same thing with these stargates. With Octurus, you pick up the really uh, introverted, sometimes can be conflict avoidance, <laughs> um, a very gentle way of uh, working with things. Whereas the Pleiadians, if you have been on the Pleiades, sometimes you'll be more giggly, more open, or more social. So you could be like a tourist Pleiadian hybrid, then you will have like this extrovert introvert side of you, or what people call ambivert. Um, very interesting. There's so much to learn about the Arcturians. Um, with their star seed, with permission, they can beam your light body up to their ship for healing. So that's what I do. It's okay. I'm like, guys, take me out tonight. <laughs> give me some healing on the starship. I give my permission. So the Arcturians can do that. They're also very advanced. They use a tractor beam to collect a lot of DNA samples. Um, sometimes they collect it for their star seed, just for record or just for other missions or purposes. So for example, if that soul decide that they wanna exit or if that soul's DNA has been uh, damaged in an informal way, the Arturian guys will have a record of their DNA so they can like revert it back to the original template. So I know a lot of people are freaking out about, <laughs> you know, radiation or um, won't go too much into it, but the current situation, uh, I think that it's not as bad as this is because we have these galactic friends helping us in the background. So if you hear people say terms like DNA activation or DNA blueprint activation, uh, that's what your guides help you with. It's just going back to that original template. Um, yeah, I've been rambling. So <laughs> that's uh, the Octurians in uh, big picture. <laughs> no, you're not rambling at all. That was all so, so good. And I love that. I actually had an experience like that myself where I, one night I gave them permission because um, I have um, my, one of my, like part of my soul fragment, my higher self is an Arcturus. And I, one night I wanted healing and I said, did the same thing where I said, <laughs> I kind of said, you know what? I know you're there. I know my soul, like you're listening, please heal me. I'm, I'm giving you permission. If you need to take me up, it's okay. You can do it. I won't be afraid. And I remember having some really intense experiences throughout the night, like certain dreams. And it was, it was incredible. I'm so glad you mentioned that. <laughs> Yeah, so definitely me too. How about you, Brianna? <laughs> yes, like everything you were saying resonated so much, especially that you'd never wanted to eat as a kid. I never wanted to either. And even now, I rarely ever want to eat. And if I like intuitively, I want to eat like a bird and I just want to eat like the tiniest things. And Oh yeah. I yeah, feel like when you were talking, I was just like getting lots of information about myself and like downloads and like, Oh yeah, this makes sense. This makes sense. Um, and I so understand that connection of like, you don't really have to worry about radiation or anything because it, you can heal it on a cellular level. And that's how I exactly how I feel. So I'm like, Oh, my phone is next to me for 10 hours a day it's not that big of a deal because I can ask them to heal it and it makes sense too that that's how we go back to it 
Yeah, for sure. So every like, of course, there's some. You know, we can't walk in front of the bus and be like, "Okay, hit me up." <laughs> But、uh, sometimes I work with people, and they're like, "That's right. It's okay. I can just, you know, take this poison. I'll be okay." I'm like, "Wait up! <laughs> There's like <laughs> limitations here, guys." <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, there's the small things they can definitely help us with, like the yeah, the reversal of the DNA blueprint for sure.、Mm-hmm. That's so good because me and Brianna literally just recorded a podcast yesterday about、um, deep cellular healing. So I love that this is that this kind of <laughs> like correlates to that. That's so good.、Yeah. Okay, so we have、oh, I know there's so many <laughs> star systems and planets. It's like how do we get through them all? All right. So the next one you briefly mentioned it,、uh, Andromeda. I love Andromeda. Oh, Andromeda! Yes, so much to know about Andromedans, and、um, it's always so interesting when you do readings. The soul will have a few、uh, Stargate connection, and usually it's like Pleiades with Octarius, and then with Andromeda, and even with us, like with the soul group, like even just sitting here with the two of you, like. I know that we probably have been working with each other on the Pleiades and Octarius, and so when you meet these soul groups, you just feel like you can be yourself. So a lot of star seeds have this、um, very common thing where they feel like they're the black sheep of the family. I think we design it that way because it's more efficient for our mission that all of us are dropped into. A denser family line, do whatever we can, right? Instead of just all of us in one family, because we're just not really helping, the, you know, Earth in general. And when we come together, you just feel like you're at home. You can be yourself. And so, with Andromedan star seeds,、um, I worked it, worked with quite a few of them. I noticed that they all very creative. Uh, the common thing they have is they're also very wise, right? All of these beings are very wise,、uh, very empathic, very highly sensitive to energy. But Andromedans, really, what I notice about them is they have a certain、um, flair for arts and personal expressions. When you look at their guys, the Andromedan guys always show up like、uh, they just came off a of theatrical theater. They have crystal on their forehead, and it's this beautiful crown and extravagant gown, and you're like, whoa, <laughs> so beautiful.、Um, and they, I've talked to moms with little Andromedan star seeds. And they will also notice that they like things a certain way. They're like, "No, mommy, I want things to be this way. I want to decor my room this way." So Andromedans, they have this thing where you know that decor needs to look nice. They need to look nice, and they really appreciate arts.、Um, they also are one of the very oldest race or group that started the alliance to help other beings. So they very ancient. They work very closely with the Octurians, the、uh, Pleiadians as well, and they really come forth to bring a very high vibrational energy. And they really love our arts form. So a lot of them. You know, sometimes people will say, "Oh, what? Why do ETs want to look at us or study us?" Is our emotions give rise to a lot of creations that they like? Whoa, 
that's very beautiful, like Mozart and all these beautiful artists, how we can convey emotions into art form. The Andromedans really love that. Uh, writing as well. So any form of expression, the Andromedans love uh, journaling, that kind of the writing, poetry. They're very good with that, Andromedans. Um, just really, really beautiful guides to work with. So yeah, that's a big picture of Andromedan star seeds. I'm like smiling over here the whole time because everything you said was literally me. Since I was a child, my I would make my grandfather tape me with the VHS recorder and I would just put on shows and I would put on gymnastic shows and I would put on, I would pretend I was Sandy from the movie Grease and I would do like Grease Lightning and I pretended I was all these different characters um, and I was really trying to embody all these different frequencies. And I didn't realize when I was younger, it's because I was studying and I could pick up these frequencies so easily that I would put on accents and I would pretend I was someone else. And I'm so creative now with my art. So everything you said, I'm just sitting here just smiling the whole time. I'm like rocking back and forth. Like, wow, this definitely resonates. This is, this is me. This is just me. <laughs> Another fragment of myself. <laughs> just, I, I can see your room from here and it's all like very artistically decorated. <laughs> yeah, those are all um, prints of mine and my paintings. And this is actually my studio. So yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, I, could, I was thinking of you the whole time as she was saying it. I was like, yep, yeah, check, Steph, check like all of them <laughs> for the next star seed let's talk about syrians well yeah this is another big crowd favorite uh serious so serious again very ancient lots of history lots of interactions with earth with atlantis with egypt and so forth um the Syrians, I also noticed that a lot of these guides are really very high dimension, just like the Octurians. So ones that I do tend to work with or I do readings for people, they're in the seventh or ninth dimension. Again, uh, they very like when they show up, they look like these tall, golden, white light beings. If your third eye is not very attuned, you might just see it like a column of light or like a long blob of light. Uh, once your third eye when your clear senses are more attuned, you start to see them more like a being. Um, they do have many varieties. So with Sirius, there's a big point in their history called the Sirius shift, where they really go into like genetic, um, genetic expansion. So once a star race is considered mature enough to handle their own genetic growth, um, which hopefully will be soon, maybe in a hundred years. <laughs> That's why we're all here doing this work. That we get to have more um, creativity with our genetics. So a lot of these beings that we see in legends and described in Egypt, I believe that a lot of them has to do with the serious, um, uh, serious shift, like the hybrid cat beings, the hybrid uh, avian looking beings, even hybrid aquatic beings. When you tune into Sirius also, there's Sirius A, Sirius B, and Sirius C, and I think another small star. Most people that I tend to do reading for are Sirius A or Sirius B. Um, 
Series A is generally being some more like a teacher archetype. They come forth and they might channel messages that teaches humanity how to love or how to forgive or navigate this crazy world. <laughs> Then you have Series B, where a lot of times I tend to see aquatic beings um, that are underwater. They work with minerals, they work with pearls, they trade with other race a lot. So Sirius is a very vast subject. We can go on and on about Sirius. Uh, with Sirius starseeds in general, they are, the way they express themselves is also very unique. They can say the simplest thing <laughs> that like, I'm saying, but they have like a certain vibe that makes it sound extra wise. <laughs> oh, and so they're very good at just no BS, no bypassing, no filtering and get straight down to the core with Syrians. They really don't go around with fluff. You know, with Octarians, we might be like, oh, you know, I think it would be better to do this. Maybe it would be better. Syrian be like, no, like, let's do this. This is the better way. So <laughs> they really have that very masterful, uh, confident vibe in them once they are in bloom, <laughs> like you guys say. So <laughs> there's like, A lot of star seeds sometimes are, well, I feel resonate with this star, but I don't feel like I have those traits. And I'm like, well, you're a mixture of everything and your DNA is a spectrum, like a rainbow. And also, you know, maybe you're still growing, you're still going from a star seed to a star bloom. So when you get to the star bloom, you're going to embody these traits. So you're going to join in with the collective consciousness and you're going to join in with those Syrians or Turians and embody more of that frequency and resonance. So if you feel you're very connected to Sirius, but you don't feel like yourself as a master or teacher yet, maybe you're on your way there, right? You're gonna embody that as you go forward. But that's what I notice about the Syrian starseed. A lot of cat-like beings as well, like Lyra, which we can also talk about as well. Yeah, let's go and talk about Lyra next. So uh, Lyra, so Lyra, again, a big <laughs> crowd favorite, I think for my YouTube channel, the first video that really got a lot of views was this one when I talked about uh, Lyra. Um, Lyra is also very ancient. Um, with Lyra, there has been a lot of uh, conflict, actually. A lot of Lyran star seeds, sometimes they carry that Lyran war wounds with them in their cash. So during Lyra, Lyra is a very resourceful uh, constellation or sector of the galaxy. And let's just say the dark <laughs> agenda guys, uh, Orion, uh, Greys, and the Alpha Draconians, they had their eyes on Lyra. They wanted the stargates there, they wanted the resources there. And they start, a war started to broke out. So I do a lot of readings for Starseed. If they have some Lyra incarnations, in some of those incarnations, this war happened. A lot of infiltration, a lot of yeah, battle wounds from Lyra. And what happened then during that war was a lot of Lyrans actually began to flee of the constellation. Some of them settled on the Pleiadian star system. So a lot of people, if you're Pleiadians and you also feel connected to Lyra, that's reason, there's a lineage there. 
when they first arrive on Pleiades, they actually start terraforming some of the planets uh, as Lyrans. So there's a deep connection there. And with Lyran star seeds, generally, I do notice that they can be very stubborn <laughs> in a good and bad way, and they admit it too. So, <laughs> so if you have um, some incarnations on Lyra, you learn that uh, stubbornness, but it also makes you very resilient. Like with me, I never give up. Like when I set my goal on like, okay, starting a business, then I would like just put everything in and I would not give up no matter how hard it is. So I noticed that trait in Lyran souls a lot. Uh, there's also a race from Lyra called, I believe it's pronounced lion. They does look like lion beings. They have that straight nose, the round eyes, the fur, uh, and, that, and that lips like the, the cat-like or lion being. And so a lot of people will see maybe a meditation themselves like that, or they will see their guides like that. The lion guides I've worked with through people are very wise. They bring you a light body up into um, a temple or in a past life that you worked in. And then they retrain you. It's like, hey, remember what you used to do here. Remember, this is how you worked with crystal. So a lot of times too, when you work with these guides or remember your starcy self, then you reclaim these spiritual gifts from your Akash. So it's very, very interesting, very, very colorful. And you start opening the Stargate <laughs> section of your Akash. <laughs> That is all so cool. And I'm going to have to definitely ask you about that at some point, opening up the Stargate of the Akash, because I didn't even, I've never even heard of that. So that's, yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> um, I know that another one I think that a lot of people are aware of is Orion. So I'm not sure if you want to talk about that one next. Sure. Yeah. Orion. Orion again is like, oh, Orion has been like, such an interesting sector of the galaxy because there has been such a immense battle between good and like bad um of course a lot of times when we hear the term orion people feel oh that's where the grace are from it's all bad <laughs> while it is true some of the bad ones do came from orion but there's a lot of good beings that were on orion also and even some beings that will again chase out of their star system because of that takeover, that domination. Uh, I believe the Stargate Orion has been reclaimed from what I have been channeling with other masters. Um, they have retaken the Orion Stargate. So that's why things seems a little bit calmer. And on Orion, what I notice about these starseeds is they have a very strong passion about justice, integrity, and um, doing what's right. There's a lot of, um, what's the right word? Some people, they, you know, they know something is going wrong in our structure right now in the system, but they don't care. They're like, oh yeah, I know there's corruption. And then they're like, yeah, so, and then shrug. But then there's like star seeds and especially the Orion star seeds, they're like, no, they're on the front line protesting. They are the one writing letters to the MPs. They're the ones that are like, you know, screaming <laughs> at the 
<laughs> crazy school board for teaching their children inappropriate content. So the Orion stars, you have the strength. They're not afraid to fight for what's right, and I think that's an element that we need. In this star team, because we are good at something, but not others. Like for myself, I'm good at working in the background. But if you ask me to go to the front line of a protest, probably not. <laughs> so Ryan's uh, starseed have that talent, and they also also have aquatic uh, beings in there that I've seen as well. And if you are from Orion, there's there is sometimes some woundings a lot to to heal because of that reptilian takeover. And when I say reptilian, referring to the bad ones because there's good ones too. Many, many actually are very high vibration, but that's our Orion in a short glance. That's so good. And I also actually, I believe the next one that we actually wanted to talk about was Mintanka. And I think that's also in Orion. That's one of part of Orion's belt, right? That's a constellation out of the three. Am I getting that right? I, I think so too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mintaka <laughs> is a big thing too. A lot of people are awakening to that. And it's a lot to do with the aquatic world, uh, the um, aquatic beings and um legends of the mermaids and things like that so a lot of star seeds from Mintaka they also kind of have like a certain energetic vibration if you connect to the Mintaka world um, it's more like a elemental connection to the high vibrational Mintaka and they really tune into the, the water elementals they work very closely to sea gems or seashells so i've done some readings for some intact and star seeds where if they're an artist they would pick up sea glass to work with or pearls or um, more like a ocean theme so they bring forth a lot of that and sometimes some of the sceneries from Mintaka reminds me of Lemuria as well. It was a very peaceful place. Um, lots of wisdom. The star seats there are also very beautiful beings. So, yeah. All right. And since you just mentioned Lemuria, I guess we should, if you want to talk about that next. <laughs> sure. I love <laughs> Lemuria. I love learning about Lemuria. So, Oh, yeah, there's so much to learn, eh? Never ends, which is the fun part. (laughs) Um, With Lemuria, I always like to talk about the triad connection between Lemuria, Pleiades, and Venus. Of course, Lemuria have connection to Tau Senti, to Arcturus, many more. But to me, from my remembrance, that's really a deep connection between the three. So we talked about Pleiades. Lemuria is one of the earliest era or life cycle of Mother Earth. And we actually started out as a garden planet. It was very beautiful. It's tropical, a very high vibrational etheric realm on Earth when we first started. That's what we would call the garden planet. And then we started to descend lower into density and then Atlantis started to rise and Ananuki came, then things started to go crazy. <laughs> so when Ananuki, like Anu came, um, they tricked the innocent Lemurian souls and Atlantean souls to mining gold 
into a denser density of earth. And the only way to do that was to basically lock their souls into an elemental body so they can get to that lower frequency and continue mining gold for them. And that's where we are now. <laughs> the treaty ended in 2012, but they're still here. Um, not really wanting to let go. From what I know, most of the leader has been taken out, but we're just still going through this uh, cleanup phase. So Lemuria is so important to us right now because a lot of us also have lifetimes in there and we're bringing all of these teachings back. I know a lot of people say new earth, but in a way we're just bringing back what we originally had in those times. That's why it seems so natural. It seems so easy for us. Uh, Lemuria in general, and these are eras that spend for thousands and thousands of years. They really value working with crystals, with the uh, cosmic rhythm, natural flow, natural law of life. Atlantis is where they started to learn more about how to harness power from crystal, how to use crystal to power huge cities and technologies. And so that's why if you're a Lemurian soul, you would love crystal and you just pick them up and you innately know how to work with them. It's almost like you don't even need to be taught. You're just like, whoa, okay, feels good. Whereas for people that are not activated, they're like, oh, it's just a piece of rock. <laughs> And um, with Lemurians as well, if you are connected, uh, Lemurian crystals really call forth your Akashic memories. And when you have a Lemurian crystal, they have these bands on the crystal. And when you meditate by moving your hands up and down the crystal, those are codes. It's like barcodes with computer. And that can activate your gifts or your connection or whatever it is that crystal brings you. So Lemurian souls, beautiful souls that work with crystal and natural energy. Wow. I never resonated with something more. And I also never, oh, by the way, I picked up my Lemurian crystal. <laughs> um, but I never even thought to think like, oh, maybe, maybe my soul spent some time there. And every single thing you were just saying, I was like, oh, yep. 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 So that's awesome. I'm really excited to dive into that. And the crystals. Yeah. I feel like my crystals talk to me all the time. They're like my best friends. <laughs> like I know what they want. I know where they go. Yes. Yeah. I was like crystal is like um, next level pet rock. <laughs> they really do talk back to you. And well, a lot of people is like, what are you talking about? You're into this woohoo stuff. I'm like, you can't feel it here. Like touch it, you know? Like, yes. Oh my God. Even as a child, I had like a rock collection and I literally was friends with all of my rocks. Yeah. yeah I used to dig up fossils, like in the playground, trying to find like <laughs> different, different, like ancient rocks. That's so yeah. funny. Oh yeah yeah you guys so definitely have Lemurian <laughs> oh yeah you told me that I know I do <laughs> in our reading oh yeah I, I just discovered right now and I'm so excited to dive more into that oh I love yeah I love Lemuria and I because I know that most people only know of Atlantis or have heard of Atlantis because all of there's a lot of movies and books based on Atlantis uh, but not Lemuria. So I'm so happy that we covered that. But I also know for our listeners, they might want to hear a little bit about Atlantis too. 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. So um, uh, I think we can go into Atlantis and I'll kind of link in Venus in there a little bit too. So uh, Venus, why I'm bringing this up is because when you look at the orbit of Venus around Earth, it actually looks like a rose in a rose pattern. Venus were also known as like the twin planet of Earth um, as well for many reasons. Uh, the Venusians, they, there's, hmm, there's a whole chapter about Venusians. So <laughs> the Venusians, actually many of them can look like us. The, one of the native species on Venus was the bees. So there was a lot of Ven Venusian, Venetian, uh, Venusian, yeah, Venusian influences in certain parts of the earth because of that connection to the bees. And a lot of the humanoid, when they first arrived on Venus, they actually learned from the bees that the bees that were on planet Venus was not like our bees. They like hybrid. They like very highly intellectual and they asked the bees can we stay here and they got permission from the bees to stay on uh, planet venus and that's where queen bees come from uh, the venusians are generally more matriarchal they have like a queen so the current queen is queen lady orda and she kind of oversees all the operation of venus uh, before this was uh, Queen Muzu, I forgot her name, but she ascended so that uh, they drafted Lady Orda from Earth to become the Queen of Venus. So very interesting. So they follow this hierarchy. Uh, the Venusians are here physically, but also through star seeds as well. Uh, the Venusians are like one of the very famous one was Valiant Thor, Commander Valiant Thor. He worked and try to warn the government back in Eisenhower days that there are bad ETs with their agenda, don't fall for it. But of course, you know, his advice was never taken <laughs> like many of the other benevolent species. And here we are. Um, the Venusians fleet are always kind of supporting us in the background. A lot of Venusians, uh, what's interesting about them is one type of them will incarnate through a body. So they usually have a region in each planet. And I believe the last time I checked, the Venusian region was Lord Dismas. And Lord Dismas, he dispatches the souls to Earth for the missions. When they're in the human body, Venusian starseeds tend to work in more humanitarian or environmental causes. And um, they're very passionate uh, people. There are other types of Venusians that are born on Venus and then they come for a mission. Or another type is called translation. When they take their soul from one body, it's like the movie Avatar, they can draw the soul from the body and then give them a new body when they're young again. So many of these um, commanders that work with the Venusian um, hierarchy, they are on earth, they grew old, right? And then they are translated into a new body when they look young again and they continue their mission. So very, very interesting stuff going on with Venus. And uh, the rose of the Venus connects to the rose of the Lemuria, 
time. So you guys hear like Lemurian rose priestess or Lemurian rose lineages or rose teachings of Lemuria. It's how they all kind of connected. And this kind of stream into Atlantis because both of them kind of work together from my Akashic memories where they coexisted, kind of work with one another for quite some time. And Atlantis was the time where if you look into the cities of Atlantis, they're a little bit more advanced looking than a lot of the Lemurian places I remember. Lemurians who merge their architecture naturally into the earth. Whereas Atlant Atlantean people would create and design a very symmetrical geometric shape for their cities. Usually in the cities in the center is a large crystalline column. Uh, this column has different purposes. It can power the technology, which is free technology or zero point energy. Or it can also act spiritually as a grid to hold that high vibrational frequency for the entire network of Atlantean cities. So when Atlantis sang, sank, I've done a lot of reading where some of you guys were there. Some of you guys didn't leave. You decided to go down with the ship. <laughs> and these Atlantean souls will tend to be afraid of water. Uh, they don't want to be near water. They don't really like waves, right? It triggers that soul memory in them. And when they sang, some of them sang, right, to uh, honor their city, their beloved city. And the crystalline columns, a lot of them crumbled into pieces. However, there are some channels that have said that about one or two columns are still intact and is protected either underground or maybe by other star beings, I'm not quite sure. But even now, if you want to activate your Atlantean gives, what happens is I see this a lot of people bring their light body back to those columns and they draw power from those columns. And then they use that as an energy healing. So you can do cool things like that, linking back into the crystalline column. So Atlantis, right, it was a golden era and we are returning to that. We're going to go back to it. So I think that's why a lot of souls, Atlantean souls, will feel called to come back even though we died <laughs> and we <laughs> failed that time. We're like, huh, okay, this time we're not going to fail. we got to make it, guys. <laughs> so that's a little bit about Atlantis. Tiffany, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I don't know everything you said. It's so funny when you said, you know, we, we died and then we came back here. I just, I had an inner like resonance there where I'm like, yeah, you know, <laughs> okay, I'm back. I failed the first time, but let's do this again. <laughs> but that's so good. Um, I actually was going to ask about Venus. So thank you for inter interlinking those together. Um, I also know I've heard of Avalon as well. I believe, is that the stage after Atlantis? I know it's starting to sort of, that sort of information is starting to circulate now. And I know that people might have questions about this city and what the city is and kind of the timeline, like where it fits into the timeline of Lemurian or Lemuria and Atlantis as well. Yeah, you're so right. So I also feel the um, uh, Avalon energy coming up and, from my understanding is I feel that it's after Atlantis because I feel a little denser than Atlantis and Lemuria the way I remember it, but I felt before Tataria, 
And so it's kind of like an interlinking timeline. And in Avalon, um, the best story I can share in this now is the lifetime I remember myself in Avalon was a dragon. So a lot of souls that are connected to Avalon, you notice that they're very into magic. They're very into the elementals like fairies, uh, the brownies, the dragons, the undins, like all these elementals. Um, uh, in that lifetime, I remember myself as a dragon. But towards the end of Avalon, I was killed for my scales and for parts of my body. Because back then, dragons' body parts were used for uh, some dark magic. So I remember that. <laughs> so if any of you is remembering your Avalon lifetimes and you like, I felt like I was a dragon or I felt very connected to dragons or fairies tend to like to work with you. Uh, I remember there was a little mice in my apartment, my old apartment. I'm like, oh no, you know, I can't have mice in here. I love them. You know, they're beautiful, cute creatures, but no. <laughs> so I asked the fairies, I'm like, they're my fairy friends. Okay, we gotta do something about this, you know, please help me. I'm not gonna kill it. And literally the next day I woke up and the mouse was in the garbage bin and the garbage bin's really tall. So I don't know how it got in there. It was just in the garbage bin. And then we let it go in the park. But so I totally believe in fairies. <laughs> and they're very, very helpful. Uh, they love um, to work with people that cares about the environment. So if you do your best to try to use non-toxic things, um, if you are like a lot of indoor gardeners, I find they have a lot of <laughs> connection to Avalon, like you like plants, like indoor, outdoors, you really care about the planets and you offer little gifts to the fairies. You can see them, you can feel them, you can connect with them. And I work with dragons all the time, fairies as well. They're not always scary, like movies try to program us to think, uh, like everything there's good and bad. So I would suggest those of you that feel called to Avalon to really reconnect with uh, the elementals, the fairies, dragons, because not only do they help you, a lot of times dragons teaches you magic, uh, astral travel, grid work, purification of the land, light language, the fairies also help you as well, learning how to go in and out of these uh, dimensions. So they are very cool beings to work with and yeah, a great team to add to your spiritual <laughs> psychics and teammates. Yeah, I just discovered Avalon last week while I was meditating and everything you said resonates so much. I felt like I was flying while I was there and I love working with fairies too. They're such a fun energy and they like help, they really help me bring the magic into like my everyday life. Cause I feel like anytime I would see them, they would remind me that it's like not so difficult. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm like an elemental soul. So I'm always like giggling. And <laughs> so a lot of people, when they, we're going to be like, oh, yeah, definitely fussy fairies. I'm like, I know, they're so fun. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I feel with them, too. I, like, love them. <laughs> I know, I can't get enough of fairies. I definitely have that in <laughs> the elemental part of my soul, too. I love it so much. It's so good. Oh, another one, before I forget, um, I know that some people feel a strong resonance with the angelic realm, too. 
And I'm curious to know, uh, you know, if souls can also, I don't want to say originate because every time I say that, I know that origination point is always source, but I guess for when they fragment off of source, some of the first incarnations, you know, we're also in certain and different realms and different star systems. So I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit on kind of the angelic realm and if you've encountered souls that have originated there. (laughs) Yes, yeah, absolutely. A lot of people are curious about this and I had to learn too. And it's great when I do these readings because I learn a lot (laughs) from each of you. So it's like a teamwork. So with angelic realm, um, those ones that we call angelic souls, usually what I notice about them is, like you said, even Dolores Cannons, when she does a, a quantum hypnotherapist, what we saw is that in the beginning, you fracture from source like a spark of light and then as a spark of light you go wherever you choose so some souls i've seen from the spark of light they uh go and work with the archangels or angelic beings in the angelic realm i do believe the angelic realm exists um just like paroma like these are all Basically, realms are closer to the galactic central sun. It looks like a macaroon or like a burger. You have the dark universe, the light universe, and then the closer you get to the center is the galactic central sun. And the closer you get uh, to that realm, like Paroma, the angelic realm is where the angels or ascended master resides. So like Earth, I think we're slowly moving closer to (laughs) that realm (laughs) slowly so that's where we are heading towards and in those realms again they always come forth with only their light body i've never seen an angel through my third eye or channel experience like a physical being they don't always take on a human form they do just so that we are familiarized with that form to not scare us A lot of times when you work with the archangels, they just have this large, glowing, bright body. And I think because it looks so bright to us, it looks like a pair of wings, right? When we look into a sun, we saw those wings. So I think that's why they depicted that way at times. So I think they can take on any form that they want. Once you get past that (laughs) physical form, you can be anything you want. And so, yeah, there are souls that have trained or, you know, have a mentor that's an archangel. Like a lot of souls are, are, are trained with Archangel Michael and they bring forth that quality that Archangel Michael brings. I know in Kabbalah teachings, they talk about the seven rays and each Kohan brings a certain div, uh, quality like Archangel Michael, he brings power, uh, he brings protection, right? Um, other qualities like divine will. So when a soul spark go and gravitate towards Archangel Michael, they learn these traits. And then they might go and learn with Archangel Ariel, more about um, elementals, uh, nature, animals. And then they slowly expand as a soul and then they grow into larger and larger orbs of light. So I've definitely worked with souls that I would say are more earth angel souls like that. You can just, oh, whoa, this person has a lot of angelic, frequency emanating from them so yeah very 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 beautiful beings that's so beautiful so do you ever see souls um like joining together when you see kind of like two 
fragments of source do you ever see them connect together very rarely yeah mm -hmm. but sometimes they do so i do see that mm -hmm. oh, cool. all right tiffany thank you so much for that beautiful description of the angelic realm i guess we will end with the constellation cygnus if you'd like to go into a little bit of detail with that Yes, so this one is relatively new to me too. Just started having readings of these souls about maybe two years ago. And yeah, so for those of you that are not familiar, it's a white swan constellation. The pronunciation is a little tricky, uh, Cygnus. But um, lately, the souls I've been reading that have connection to Cygnus, now, again, each planet has different layers, right? It's like a building. You have third dimensional Earth, fifth dimensional earth with Cygnus when I read them in the lower dimensions they also struggle with some negative polarization as well but once you go up to seventh dimension and the higher it's a really beautiful realm and a lot of those souls when I see them in the Cygnian form it's like an etheric almost like phoenix type of being they have a kind of human face, but then they have a lot of feathers that radiates out from their body. They all fly or levitate. Um, they have cities as well that looks very beautiful. I just see it in my eye and <laughs> I just want to like describe it to some of you. Um, they also work very closely to the angelic energy. So that's why it's great we're bringing this up. Uh, I've also gotten information that some angels like the seraphims are like a rank so it's like a rank that you become and a lot of signian star seeds actually get drafted when they ascend get into the seraphim ranks so that i've read in some souls where the seraphims angels access like mentors and guides for those higher dimensional signals and then they get ascended into that rank so I thought that was so interesting I wanted to mention that because I'm like oh wow okay well this is so interesting so maybe some viewers would resonate or you've seen yourself at that type of being again it's more etheric since you get into the 7d you're more like non-physical anymore so you're like kind of like a jellyfish but you're like a phoenix being flying in the sky the sky that i see is always light golden color a lot of white clouds so very beautiful once you get into that higher dimensional state that is just so amazing i actually remember from our reading that i had a seraphim guide or an orphan I can't remember. I don't know how to pronounce that. I think I remember emailing you two saying, I don't understand what this is. How do I pronounce this? Where yeah, do I, find too. <laughs> I don't know what that is. But that's, I love that that's coming through for you through in reading so much more because I wasn't even aware really of that constellation. And then as you're speaking, it got me thinking how vast this universe and this multiverse is that there are so many that we still don't know about. And it's actually just so exciting. Like, I mean, there's, we're just always students. It'll just never end. We're always going to be learning about all of the different, you know, constellations and star systems and planets. Cause I mean, 
we think that our solar system, a lot of us, you know, especially in our modern society, that that's all there is. These are our solar system is the only planets and that's it. But that's not true. There's just so many different dimensions of different places to that, you know, to go, especially after this incarnation. So I think it's just, you can hear it in my voice. I love talking about all of this all the time. (laughs) This conversation has been so enlightening and it's just been so soul opening. Again, I always learn something from you. It's just so amazing. Oh, thank you. I'm glad it was helpful. And of course, I did not get this on my own. It's all through uh, teamwork. But I always say, guys, after this mission, we're going to take a vacation. I'll see you on the play, <laughs> I love oh, that. That's awesome. I, am, I always say something similar. I'm like, the next incarnation is going to be really easy, okay? I'm just going to like chill and take it easy. Yeah, we'll see each other in our ET forms. Like, hey, Stephanie, right in your human form. <laughs> you know? I look forward to that. Not that I'm saying that I want this incarnation to be over, because I do want to embody it fully and really live it. But I do look forward also <laughs> to that happening, because that'll just be like such an incredible moment <laughs> when we're out of these, um, in our out of our temporal form, and we are just in our light bodies and we still know who we are like who each other is I think that's just going to be so amazing yes absolutely and I just wanted to thank you both for leading this podcast and inviting us to join you today we're so happy to co-create and it's we had a lot of fun and (laughs) we will send you all much love and much light thank you so much and Tiffany where can people find you if they want to connect with you Oh, thanks for asking. So um, with this kind of topic on my YouTube channel under Tiffany Tin, I have a lot of uh, free resources there. On my website is highpriestessascension.com and they can message me there or take courses or sessions. And thanks for sharing my work with your viewers. (laughs) Well, we are big fans of your work. (laughs) And so is Arden. Brianna's daughter. <laughs> yeah, she is. She loves it. Yeah. She's like, guys, let me in. I want to join. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. It, it really feels like an instant, like upgrade for me. Like I can feel like an energetic shift just by sharing this conversation with you. Right. It's magical. So thank you. Is. Yeah. I agree with Brianna. It definitely feels like another activation just being able to share in your energy and the energy of your guides. It's just been, been really good. (laughs) Once again, Tiffany, thank you so, so much for being here and for sharing your time and your energy and your boundless wisdom, because it's just every time that you speak, I always feel like I'm learning something from you. And I know in my heart and in my soul that our viewers will be as well. And now that our viewers know how to reach out to you, yes, please feel free to reach out to Tiffany. I do recommend a reading with her because she is incredible. <laughs> and I'm just so happy that we did this episode. And if anybody has any questions, I just want to remind people that we have a feature on our anchor page that you can leave a voice message. So if you have any questions after you're listening to this episode, please drop us a voice message and you might be featured in one of our next episodes. And well, This concludes this episode and we're just wishing you all so much love, light, 
and so much blessings for the week ahead. And we will see and co-create with you all next week. Thank you.